KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Warrants were unsealed in the SDSU rape investigation. The warrants were sealed because they were part of an active investigation that took nearly 10 months to complete. I'm Jade Hindman. This is KPBS Midday Edition. We'll take you to a ranch for life-changing restoration. Families can come and spend five or six hours here, enjoy uh, pony rides for the kids. They can do archery. They can do um, laser tag arts and crafts, hiking. We'll tell you about the upcoming Keepers of the Culture event on your weekend preview. That's ahead on Midday Edition. Search warrants relating to the alleged rape of a young woman by members of the San Diego State University football team were unsealed by the San Diego County Superior Court yesterday. Information obtained by KPBS shows that police investigating the incident were looking for photos, videos, and location data from cell phones at and around the house where the alleged rape happened. Following the release of the warrants, one football player involved in the alleged rape has been arrested on child pornography charges. Joining me now with more to make sense of the news is KPBS North County multimedia reporter Alex Wynn. Alex, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jade. It was great to be back. So, Alex, what information was contained in these warrants, and why were they sealed in the first place? Well, the warrants were sealed because they were part of an active investigation that took nearly 10 months to complete. And here's what we found so far. The warrants were requested between the end of November and the middle of January, and they sought digital evidence to help police identify identify who was involved, who was at the home at the time of the alleged assault, And in the probable cause statement accompanying the warrants, we found out there were three anonymous reports made to SDSU within weeks of the incident, as well as the summary of the pretext calls. And this is the first time we've gotten confirmation of what was said during the pretext calls. And the pretext calls are what uh, are calls between Jane Doe and the men accused with police listening in and directing her on what to say. In the pretext call, both Matt Ariza and Nalan Pa Iwaliko said the girl had considered consented to having sex with them. Now, she has maintained that she never gave consent. And Alex, can you tell me more about these pretext phone calls and and how they help these kinds of cases? These calls are typical in these types of investigations. And what it is is for the people involved or for the accused, uh, for police to get the accused to maybe say something that may incriminate them or may lead to other uh, leads in the case. And in this case, what kind of information were they specifically looking for in that phone call? So in the phone calls, police were coaching uh, Jane Doe to ask the men uh, what had happened during the night and what, you know, what led up to the events and whether she seemed intoxicated. And uh, they all said that she did not seem intoxicated to them. And one of them actually said uh, he was surprised to hear that she was intoxicated at the time. The unsealed warrants also detail that police were searching for two other men involved in the alleged rape. What can you tell us about that? 
Well, uh, one of the men was acting as a bouncer, according to the,、uh, to the affidavit, and another was allegedly in the room where、uh, uh, when the assault happened. But beyond that, beyond that, not much else was known about the two men. And the reason why no charges were filed because prosecutors felt、uh, they had quote no viable path to conviction.、Uh, the only reason we knew about the name of the other men involved is because Jane Doe filed a civil lawsuit against them. The DA's office has requested the names of the men、uh, not yet made public be redacted. And one of the men originally named in this case has now been arrested on child pornography charges. Was this related to the warrants that the courts recently unsealed? Yes,、uh, one of the ten warrants relating to the case、uh, was for information on an unrelated child pornography investigation that police uncovered during the course of the investigation into the alleged rape. And do you know what led to these child pornography charges? In the course of、uh, investigating the alleged rape, and they recovered several、uh, tetrabytes of digital evidence, and on one of them they found child pornography on, I'm assuming, either Iwaliko's phone or computer, and they were very vague on what those pornography were, either something he saved from internet or whether something he took himself. And these warrants also reveal that another athlete came to the police with information about this incident. What did she tell authorities? She was not at the party, but heard from several other people, presumably,、uh, presumably people who were at the party or had knowledge of what happened, that six men assaulted an unconscious girl.、Uh, she did say that she heard Ariza and Iwaliko got consent before the girl、uh, passed out. What have attorneys on both sides of this case said about this new information?、Uh, the attorneys for both Doe and Ariza say that the affidavits confirm their. Client's version of the events.、Uh, Dan Gillian, the attorney for、uh, Jane Doe, said the judge who unsealed the warrants found probable cause to grant the warrants in the first place. Carrie Armstrong,、uh, the attorney for Matt Arisa, said the affidavits will help、uh, his client's civil defense case. I've been speaking with KPBS North County multimedia reporter Alex Wen. Alex, thanks. Thanks, Jade. There are lots of ranches in San Diego County, but one ranch less than an hour east of the city is unique. It's open to the public, but it's geared toward military families. KPBS reporter John Carroll tells us how time spent there can restore and change lives. Situated in Pine Valley, surrounded by the Cleveland National Forest, the Horse of the Sun Ranch sits in its own little valley. We visited on a windy day last week. We met Ken Callaway, who runs the place. There are a lot of pressures on military families that the general population doesn't really understand. Callaway works for the Armed Services YMCA. About three years ago, the ranch's previous owner donated it to the Armed Services Y. As a vet himself, Callaway understands the unique challenges faced by military families: high unemployment, high spousal unemployment. Uh, high childcare costs. We bring them to the ranch and let them, especially pre and post deployment, connect as a family. And they can come up here, and mom and dad can enjoy barbecue, and the kids can run and scream, and they get to play with the horses. The kids get to ride. There is so much to do on this ranch. The families can come and spend five or six hours here, enjoy.、Uh, Pony rides for the kids. 
they can do archery, they can do um, laser tag, arts and crafts, hiking. Or just some quiet time. The hiking part comes in here. A creek runs along one side of the property. But there is one activity here that happens inside. Welcome to the craft shop here at the ranch. Leathercraft is, is part of the horse life, part of the ranch life. Here, kids not only learn about leather crafting, they get to create their own works of leather art. A kid or adult can make a nice little bracelet, something they can keep forever. Good boy. Everything here is designed to take visitors' minds off their day-to-day -day lives, to forge new bonds, to de-stress. With uh, a military lifestyle, uh, there's obviously a lot of uncertainty for the children and the family as we, we tend to move around a lot. That's Commander Peter Birch. We were there when he, along with his wife and three girls, rolled up in a black SUV, and you might have noticed an accent. Commander Birch is a helicopter pilot with the Royal Navy. I'm out here working for Naval Air Forces with the U.S. Navy. Like with any other military family, he says the time spent here means a lot. For the children and the family to come out to a place like this, be surrounded by nature, also playing with the horses as well, um, is fantastic. It's a really good uh, grounding experience for the children. A perfect place to make memories. And that brings us to the first military family to visit the Horse of the Sun Ranch about six years ago. We spoke to Katie May and her eight-year-old daughter Sam on Zoom. I remember times in, in my lifetime when I was really little and I couldn't wait to move back to California to see Little Moon again. Little Moon is one of the resident horses here. He's a gentle, sweet animal that has lots of patience around humans. Sam first met him as a toddler, and she says she doesn't really remember that first meeting. But a few years later, the family visited the ranch again. Turns out Little Moon remembered Sam and was very happy to see her. Katie described the moment. When you started grooming him, he hugged you. Like, yeah. he turned and saw you and yeah. hugged you. A horse hug, as Katie explained, is when a horse puts his neck and head around you. I love him because he's super sweet. He's the calmest and nicest horse I have ever met in my lifetime. There are lots of things to say about the Horse of the Sun Ranch, but stories like Sam's really sum it up. As the sign out front says, a place where horses and nature lift the human spirit. And one might add, a place where memories are made that last a lifetime. John Carroll, KPBS News. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. For our weekend preview, we have art made with the help of artificial intelligence, art made for and by kids, and plenty of music. Joining me with all the details is KPBS arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, welcome. Hi, Jade. Thanks for having me. So first up, we have a new installation and artist residency at the New Children's Museum, courtesy of Swish Projects. Uh, the project is called The Kids Run This Place. What do you know about it? Yeah, this just opened last week, and it was commissioned by the New Children's Museum as a way of kind of documenting who the museum is as an organization and, and a community. And it ended up as kind of like a giant, multi-part self-portrait of the building and the people who go in it. And of course, it was inspired by the fact of the children who are at the center of everything there. 
Swish Projects is a design studio based in San Diego and L.A., and I talked to them this week. John Idiola from Swish said that they came up with the whole concept when they did a site visit to the museum early on. There were just kids everywhere leading their parents around. It wasn't the other way around, like you see in a grocery store or the mall. It was like kids were leading the adults and kind of dictating the pace. I was just like, man, the, the kids run this place. And we all laughed, and uh, Eddie here, Edwin, was like, that's our tag. That's what we're going to brand this as. And at the museum, the Kids Run This Place has manifested in three parts. There's a self-portrait of photos and videos that were made by Swish that's on display. There's a participatory art-making activity so that visitors of the New Children's Museum can make their own portrait of the museum and kind of add it to this collective portrait. And then there'll be works in a, in a gallery that are made by students in some of these intensive workshops that will be led by Swish throughout the year. And next, we have a special event honoring the San Diego African-American Museum of Fine Arts, Keepers of the Culture recipients for this year. Tell us about this. So this event honors a handful of Keepers of the Culture Award recipients. These are people who have made significant contributions to African-American culture in San Diego. This year's recipients include Ken Anderson. He's the director of the Dr. Martin Luther King Choir San Diego, also the UCSD Gospel Choir and the Grossmont College Gospel Choir. There's Jean Cornell Wheat, who's a painter and a sculptor. There's smooth jazz guitarist and singer Elliot Lawrence and uh, Dr. Johnson Warren, who is the publisher of San Diego Voice and Viewpoint. And finally, the Honorable Leon Williams, who was the first black person elected to the city council. That was in 1969. And then he also went on to be the first black person elected to the County Board of Supervisors in 1982. So they're doing a special event on Saturday to honor them. It's at the San Diego History Center. There will be a performance starting at 5 with a reception. The band Lyrical Groove, led by Kendrick Dial, will be performing. And then the program and presentation starts at 6 o'clock. All right. And next we have some art made with artificial intelligence. What can you tell us about Adrian Huth's art? Yeah, so Adrian Huth has a new exhibit of huge paintings at Be Free Studio in La Jolla. And these are oil and acrylic on canvas, like large scale, 60 by 60. But they started digitally using AI. And he used an AI image generator where you enter a text phrase and it spits out this artistic rendering of that phrase. And he'll sit there and modify the phrase to kind of adjust what image comes out. There's some kind of communication almost seemingly happening in which this program is going through this database of stuff and almost trying to be an artist. It could be just naivety and it just feels like that because really I'm making all the final decisions. I'm I'm rejecting it or I'm saying, no, I want it to look like this or I'm modifying it in this way. But it, there does seem to be like an eye of the artist of the AI tool. And after he gets an image that he likes, he then takes it to his studio to paint a rendering of that image on the canvas. And he sort of likened the process of using AI to this historical use of samples in hip-hop music or in collage art. So there's 10 paintings in total, and it's on view until March 11th. And the gallery Be Free Studio is open 11 to 5, Tuesday through Sunday. And next, the San Diego Symphony is performing music by Beethoven and Stravinsky. Tell us a little about these concerts. 
Right. This is with guest conductor Case Scaglioni and their performances at 8 o'clock tonight and tomorrow night. They're playing Beethoven's Concerto Number no. 3 and his Symphony Number no. 4. And they're also playing this work by Igor Stravinsky, his Symphonies of Wind Instruments. And this is a version he revised in 1947 to remove some of the more obscure instruments from his original. recently found out that this piece was dedicated to Debussy, who was one of Stravinsky's biggest role models and his influences. But I also found out that Debussy, who was was his elder, apparently had referred to Stravinsky as a, quote, spoiled child behind his back. So that's a little classical music gossip for you there. Oh, we always love the little gossip there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's stay with music a little longer. The Haussmann Quartet is performing work by a contemporary composer alongside classical works. What can we expect? Yeah, so this is their Haydn's Voyages series, where Haussmann Quartet works through Haydn's huge quartet cycle. But they also pair his work with his own contemporaries, as well as living composers. And this month's living composer is Tamika Reed, who is a 2022 MacArthur Fellow. They're playing her Prospective Dwellers Quartet, which we're listening to now. It's layered and has this really great tension and momentum, and it's also just a little bit beguiling. And the quartet will also play work by Mendelssohn to round out the afternoon. It's going to be on Sunday at 2.30 p.m. aboard the Berkeley ship at the Maritime Museum downtown. And you can find details on these and more events or sign up for Julia's weekly arts newsletter at kpbs.org arts. I've been speaking with KPBS arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, thanks. Thank you, Jade. Have a good weekend. You too. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I.